This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady back. She, of course, is an amazing doctor. She is a distinguished fellow at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. It is our good friend, Dr. Carol Swain. Doctor, how are you? Good to see you. I am doing great. You are doing great. We just had a, a lovely conversation. I just love being around you. Your, your energy, your effervescence always is, is amazing. Uh, I have a secret. Oh, go ahead. What is it? Oh, I, I'm a vampire. I get energy from young people. <laughs> And I'm trans young. I'm trans young. <laughs> so what does that mean? You can choose whatever age I'll you want to be? I'll identify as a 22-year-old. <laughs> well, you act like you're 22, which is a compliment. So, so yeah, listen, God bless you. You can, you can be anything you want to be in America today, unless, of course, you're on the right, then, then you're evil and a Nazi or something. Um, right. I want to talk about what's happening here in Texas. Of course, you, again, are a senior distinguished fellow at the Texas Public Policy um, Foundation, and you watch closely what's happening in Texas. You guys push great policy. And we just had something happen in Texas, which is so great, and it's really going to freak people out on the left in this country, is in the legislature, they passed a bill that says no more DEI. Fill me in. Well, you know something? It will freak out people on the left because they have been distracted by the debt ceiling debate and all the other things, what what, uh, Trump did yesterday, and they haven't been paying attention, but the great state of Texas uh, has passed the strongest DEI bill in the nation. It bans um, the diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at public colleges and universities and places like that. And these places had gotten to the extreme. They were demanding ideological statements from job applicants and for people to retain their jobs. And, um, and you know, millions of dollars was being spent on hiring diversity uh, deans and officers and sensitivity trainers, and all that money can be uh, reallocated uh, to programs that can involve recruitment and retention of students from all backgrounds. And so really uh, what they have done is totally uh, in harmony with our civil rights laws and our equal protection clause. They're ending discrimination in higher education, and they're returning back to the civil rights vision. And I know the left will say the opposite, but um, I would say that Texas and Florida, Florida passed the bill, but Texas has the strongest bill. They are leading the nation. And and, and Joe, you may also uh, know, and I will remind your listeners and viewers that um, the Supreme Court is due to rule this month on the Harvard and North Carolina affirmative action challenges from Asian students that have been discriminated against. And many of us believe that the Supreme Court could strike down race-based affirmative action in higher education. And if so, uh, it will have implications for DEI programs because the grounds to strike it down uh, would be that these programs violate 
our civil rights laws and the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. Diversity, generally speaking, means less white. Uh, equity just means socialism. It means less Christian. It means fewer Christians, fewer um, men. Yes. Uh, you know, fewer traditionalists, fewer Black conservatives. You know, just the whole. Truth. Fewer old people like me. Uh, I mean, but I, I'm trans young, so I identify as a 22-year-old. Again, and, and I think you can, and you, you can pull it off. It's Dr. Carol Swain. Uh, uh, doctor, is this the right website, carolmswain.com? carolmswain.com and bethepeoplenews.com. Bethepeoplenews.com. Yeah, I have other websites too, but those are the ones that we can talk about today. Good. I post most of my media interviews. Like this interview will be posted on be the people news.com but it. people that want to know about everything i'm doing should go to carolmswain.com okay and hopefully people will go and do that and i'll reiterate that later in the interview uh, at harvard and in other ivy league schools they're saying way too many asians are making it it's not fair uh, it, we don't have enough people of this color or that color or that ancestral background and what they never do doctor and i hope that you'll opine on this they never go to the community and find out why why aren't more young black men and women going and making it into Harvard? Why aren't they getting a better education? How is public education failing them? Instead, we say, this isn't fair. I don't see enough of this color or that color or that, that skin tone or this trans, whatever. Um, it, it, they always take the end result and then try to change the numbers just by cramming people in who might not be qualified. Instead of finding out why aren't they as qualified, what are they well, missing out in their education? Isn't that really the problem? Done. They have what they've done is lower the standards yes. for all students. And so a Harvard degree today doesn't mean what a Harvard degree meant 20 or 30 years ago. Right. And uh, what they're trying to do is to make sure that no one feels rejected. But it's okay if you are male, if you're heterosexual, if you're Christian, if you're a black conservative, you don't count. But they don't want anyone else to feel uh, rejected. And you may remember that there were some lawsuits filed in Virginia because the schools were not notifying the National Merit Scholars uh, that they had qualified for scholarships because they didn't want to offend the kids that didn't qualify for scholarships. Crazy. It's, it is, is, crazy. is that not nuts? That's crazy. I mean, we're actually we're punishing people who are striving to to do well, and we're making other people feel better by not showing that anybody else did better than them. Well, but they I, also said that, you know, uh, hard work, getting to places on time, Planning for the future, um, you know, being Christian, uh, believing in traditional families, that that's whiteness. And, and even if you're not white, I mean, we now have white supremacy in every race somehow, which doesn't make any sense. You, you know what I always go back to, Dr. Uh, say, wait a minute, it does make sense. Her side makes sense. Uh, the, the number of real white, supremac white supremacists in America is just probably minuscule. Because back in the early 2000s, I wrote a book, The New White Nationalism in America, It's Challenged Integration. Right. And around that time, there were probably only 2,000 Klansmen in the whole nation of 250 million people. And probably half of them were FBI agents. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's always been like that with the FBI. And um, the people that identified as a white supremacist, that meant a white person that believed that because of their uh, Caucasian, uh, you know, birth, that they were superior to other races and ethnicities. Right. Like, people don't think that way anymore. People don't believe that. They could not find enough real white supremacists. So what did they do? They redefined what is a white supremacist. 
and lately one was from India, another one was Hispanic in Texas. Suddenly, uh, white white uh, supremacists aren't even white. Uh, it's Dr. Carol Swain. Go to carolmswain.com, distinguished fellow, Texas Public Policy Foundation. I, I want I want to always make this comparison, and I wonder what you think about this. If the people who are pushing DEI and ESG and all this garbage, all this woke stuff, if they were really who they said they were, if they really believed what they said they believe, wouldn't they go after people like Michael Jordan or modern day LeBron James and say, hey, wait a second. You're 6'8", 260. That's unfair. You can't be this good at basketball. We need to bring a bunch of, you know, five foot three white guys in who can't dribble because that'll make it fair and that'll make it equitable and inclusive. You'll notice when you bring up the sports analogy, Doc, they never, ever agree with you. Uh, that's different. We can't, we no, can't, can't complain. That's silent. But have you seen the equity boxes where they have, you know, three people trying to watch a game? One person is short. He can't look over the fence. Uh, another person is tall. He has no trouble looking over the fence. Right. I can't remember the middle person, but you could dig a hole and make the tall person shorter so no one can look over the fence. But it's equitable. The, their solution <laughs> is to stack boxes uh, so that the person that is short would be able to see the game. And so everyone should be able to see the game. And they call that equity. And they present that to children as young as fourth grade. Uh, that everything has to be equitable, equitable, everything has to be equal. And they have turned the whole idea of equal opportunity on its head. And I can tell you, as a person who lived through uh, real systemic racism of the 1950s, when we were a segregated society, I lived through the civil rights movement, and I lived through the period of non-discrimination and equal opportunity. And that's how I got my education and got my opportunities. Uh, I had an equal opportunity to succeed or to fail. And I happened to have succeeded. And it was because a lot of people who did not look like me gave me advice. They mentored me. Uh, they encouraged me. And they pushed me because I didn't seek to become a university professor. So the last thing I would have uh, chosen on my own. I, I strongly feel that I was pushed into it. But people saw my potential and they did push me. And and as a consequence, I'm in an occupation that no one in my family has ever held. And I'm also the first one to graduate from college. God bless you. And, and and you did it through hard work. You did it through dedication and the fact that the opportunities were available. And I, th- I thank God that people surrounding you told you that they were available. I think that, that some people in some races, some neighborhoods, uh, in some areas were told you can't achieve. Uh, you needed somebody to say you can. I came from a very impoverished, impoverished family, you know, two-room shack, 12 kids. Uh, the family grew to... All, all 12 of us were not in the shack, but uh, That'd be enough rough. of us yeah. were there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the thing is, I thought you had to be rich to go to college. And the, the counselors that I had, they were not so focused on, for one thing, I can't give an honest comparison because I dropped out of middle school wow. and got, ended up getting a GED. But I thought you had to be rich to go to college. And so I was shocked as an adult to find out that there were all these opportunities for people like me. Isn't it something? Because there are so many people who don't know it. Uh, yeah. and, and it's almost like it's almost like the Tiger Woods effect. Here's what I mean. Black people could always play golf and probably play very well, just as well as white people. They just didn't know that they were able to go play golf because they never saw any black people playing golf. So Tiger Woods goes in and becomes the best golfer on the planet. Suddenly, five, six, seven, eight-year-old little kids of every race and background say, hey, maybe I'll play some golf. 
That's really what we need is people just to just show us the doors are not closed to you because you think they are. Try the handle. And if it opens, go through it. I, I really think that's the message that I try to give to my five daughters right. that, that I try to give to my grandkids and those who watch and listen to my program. And you are a quintessential example of exactly that. At one point, somebody is an unbelievable and wonderful as you are. And I've learned so much from you over the past several years that we've we've known each other. You needed somebody to tell you, of course you can. Isn't that something? Well, I mean, I went through periods when, you know, I had five degrees. I started uh, at a community college. I think, uh, Carol, I think you're bragging now. Let's <laughs> no, be- <laughs> no, but I started at a community college, got my first degree in business, thought I would be a store manager. And uh, I was told that I need a four-year degree. Then I went to uh, a four-year school. And I made a decision to be an honor student. That was within my control. I checked out books, bought uh, uh Purchased books on how to make gays in college. Applied the principles. It worked. And uh, and then I went into criminal justice because it didn't have a whole lot of math. And I graduated magna cum laude. I'm not bragging. No, it's But awesome. then I didn't want to do criminal justice. And I decided I was going to work for the government like a lot of other black people. And while I was in graduate school, my professors discovered me and they pushed me into the Ph.D. program. And... I was shy. I had no interest in, uh, you know, standing in front of a group of people. And it. I was in my 40s before I got over the shyness. Wow. Well, you're over it now. That's for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm so gl- I, I am. I'm so <laughs> glad that you are. I mean, I, I first w- was made known to you, or you were made known to me in, in Dinesh's movie. And you, I think, make that movie because you were just so direct, so perfect in exactly what was true versus what was false. We're living, Doctor, in, in a day and age where people are believing false narratives. There are people yeah. that today believe that Trump did unwieldy uh, illegal things and that Joe Biden is an angel from heaven. And, and they only believe that because they're, they're hearing this narrative. But I want to go to the narrative that, that reparations are somehow owed. Um, I'm I'm somebody who studies history the best I can. I know it was the Democrats that lost to the Republicans in the Civil War. That's what it wasn't North versus South. It was one side versus the other side, and the Democrats lost. Then they all pretended that they changed their colors, and now the Democrats are the good guys, Republicans are the bad guys, and the Democrats all want reparations now for those who are ancestors or descendants, I should say, of, of slaves. When we go back to the fact that they're the ones that enslaved everybody. They're the ones that had Jim Crow and the segregation and, and, and equal uh, separate but equal. They also are the ones that did the lynchings. They're the ones that did segregation and slavery. They did the KKK. The Democrats did all these things. Now they're the ones saying, let's get reparations. But as soon as I got close to it in, in California, what does Gavin Newsom say, who's a typical Democrat? Well, I didn't really mean monetary reparations. Well, let, let's, let's just break this down. Please. The Democrats are using reparations as a way to get black votes, hopefully That's in it. 2024. They have no uh, intention of delivering on it. And if they do pass something, it would be purely symbolic. Yes. And if there's any money to be gotten, it will go to black elites and white progressives. It would never impact the black community as a whole. And so it's just a part of a vote-getting scheme. And I think that uh, what they are doing in the black community is really criminal because they're encouraging young uh, black men and women to hate whites, to engage in lawless behavior because they give them a free pass when they engage in violent behavior. And the things that are taking place, they treat black people, and I'm talking about these black youth that are committing all these crimes and going in stores and stealing merchandise, and they're making excuses for them 
they're treating them like they're animals and they're encouraging that behavior. Previous generations of blacks and black leaders held their own group to higher standards. Yes, it's, exa- it's exactly right. This is the way it's always been. Now, was there unfairness after, after? Absolutely. Did you get 40 uh, acres and a mule? No, it was a lie. Uh, but we should not hand somebody a, a million dollars and say, vote for me. We should go and we should rebuild communities, show that the nuclear family is important in this country, show that what's happening in Chicago isn't okay and you can't That's vote some hard. idiot in. Uh, oh, go ahead. They, to them, that's too hard. Not well, well, exactly. to do the real work. Well, I don't. I don't think they think it's too hard. I'm going to disagree just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think they don't want to do it. I think they want to keep people ignorant. They want to keep right, people dependent. divided. They're mad that I'm talking to you because one of us is black and one of us is white. They hate that because now we know that we're very alike and that we like each other. They don't want that. If they can keep us divided, they can control the vote, right? I mean, that's what they try to do, and it's tragic what they're doing to America. Uh, it's tragic. How do we undo it? Well, truth always wins out in the end. And if you go back to what ails America, it's the moral decline. It's that uh, black people, because of the Democrats and the progressives, they have many of them just fallen away from their knowledge of truth that comes through Judeo-Christian teachings and values. And our whole society is moving towards secularism. Yes. That is to our detriment. And unfortunately, there are too many churches that are trying to be woke. Maybe they don't know they're being woke. The pastors have a little bit of information, enough to be dangerous. And so the left manipulates them by using epithets like Christian nationalists. Right. No one wants to be a Christian nationalist. What is that even? It's a way the Democrats use to uh, keep um, Christians from voting and getting involved in politics. It's a way that they're trying to keep them at home, keep them silent, call them Christian nationalists. Well, I thank God we've got your voice and your presence. And by the way, you lied earlier in the interview. I was in the 1950s. No, you weren't. You weren't around in the 1950s. You were born in like 1973. So uh, <laughs> having, having said all of that, uh, doctor, thank you so much for coming on. Don't be a stranger. I want you on here often because the more people hear your voice and see your presence and feel your energy, I think the more they're going to be empowered to understand what this country is all about. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Have... you. All right. Bye. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We simply don't have time. Otherwise, I would. Glad to have you. Let's do some pop quarter. Hi, Paula, what's up? So Taylor Swift has become the number two richest woman in music. Wow. Behind who? Rihanna, who is double of what she's worth at $1.4 billion. Taylor Swift is worth worth more than Beyonce? Yes. Holy crap. How old is she? Like, is she even 30? Uh, I I don't know. She's 
right around there. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, good for her. I don't like her politics, but I like her music. That's Polo. That's Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. See you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.